What does it mean to be engaged in today's workplace? How do we inspire, inform, and connect a working community? How do we build a culture of irreplaceability, trust, and listening to keep people on board and rowing together? Welcome to Post-COVID Leadership Advice. This series is all about building a workplace culture where people feel heard, supported, informed, and connected. This is a roadmap for leaders at any level, at any organization. Future mapping. This is not succession planning. This is uh, actually succession planning on its head. It means thinking about the future and thinking about your people in a slightly different way than uh, is traditionally done uh, in today's companies. So what is succession planning? Succession planning means you have a group of people and you have spaces in your organization that need to be filled in the future. You know that uh, uh, John is going to retire in a few years. He's currently XYZ manager and you need some new person to Joan, for instance, to fill that space. So you're going to take Joan, who's now maybe a smaller level manager, and you're going to shape her and mold her so she can fit into John's shoes, which means all the skills, all the knowledge, the mindset, the experience that John has currently needs to be put into this new clay pot, which is Joan coming up. Well, future mapping is actually the other way around. It says, what is the company like in five years? It's not going to be what it is now. Your clients are going to be different. Your needs are going to be different. Your products are going to be different. Your services are going to be different. Your people that are now in these smaller roles are going to be the future of the company, or you're going to have to pull from outside. So what are the traits? What are the things that people are exhibiting now in these smaller roles? And where do we want to be in five years? Not where we are now and not molding somebody to fit something that exists now, but actually thinking about the people that are exhibiting the future and maybe they don't have any of the skills that are needed in that higher position. It actually sort of doesn't matter because skills nowadays are developed on the spot. They are developed when they are needed. If you need to have a new direction for the company, you need to fill that training roster with the appropriate training so that people uh, can operate in this new environment, not what we have now, because we can be almost sure that whatever is going to be happening in five years is not going to be the same thing as what we're doing now. We're going to need somebody with flexibility, somebody who can learn quickly, somebody who represents the kind of diversity that we see in our customer base right now, somebody who has an idea of those future services that we can only dream about now. We don't even know what products there will be or services in five years time, but we need somebody flexible enough to adapt and learn about them in the future. So basically what we're doing is number one, increase diversity. The more diverse your population, the more your population looks like your actual client base or your customer base, the better able they will be able to deliver what is needed in the future. So you can, we can start right now by really pursuing diversity. And I don't just mean the kind you can see, but the kind you can't see. Diverse ways of thinking, um, diverse ways of, of coming at the world, coming at problems. And this means doing away with things like intelligence tests, because very often intelligence tests 
will test a very slender portion of the types of intelligence uh, that is actually out there. And we don't want to have the same old people coming in because the intelligence test will say this one trait that they score well on, 99% um, of all the people in a company score very highly in them. So let's get more of those exact same people. No, no, no. Actually, this is, this is wrong think. This is exactly what we don't want to do. We want to expand. We want to have very different kinds of thinkers. Do we go after art schools to look for visual spatial thinkers for interns? Likely not. Do we go after people from very, very different backgrounds? People who have a history um, that has nothing to do with business school or that is, does not include an MBA. Um, somebody who was a teacher, uh, somebody who was a mom, uh, probably still is a mom. Uh, somebody who um, has a background uh, in a monastery, who knows? But diversify, look for people who are different, who have a different background, who come at problems in a different way. Uh, people who come from the military have a very different way of thinking uh, from people who come from uh, a religious uh, institution or people who uh, come from academia. If you have zero academics on your staff, you will lack that entire way of thinking. Uh, that's extremely valuable. The other thing is values, hire for values. It's much more difficult to change somebody's values uh, than it is to change a skill. A skill you can learn. Um, a way of thinking you can also learn. You can train yourself to think in a certain way or use certain parts of your brain that you didn't before. Values are really hard to change because usually that's something that you, the core of who you are, that you bring with you uh, wherever you go. So if you have to have some kind of a test to come into a company, then usually a values assessment is a good place to start. You have a certain set of cultural values that uh, you believe in as a company and that people coming in can be extremely different from their background, their way of thinking, but these common human values, these have to be the same. These have to align. And if you don't have these, then you're probably uh, going to be happier somewhere else and will be happier when you're somewhere else too. So um, hiring for values means assessing what the top five things are that a company stands for. Maybe it's humanity. Maybe it's being accountable. Maybe it's a flat organization. Whatever those five things are, those are the highest priorities. And these things can be very easily tested on incoming people. And then we identify. So it means you take a map, the current org chart that you see, and this is the way succession planners do it. They look at the current org chart and they identify pockets or future pockets. And they say, ooh, we're going to need um, this mid-level manager in a year's time. We're going to need this top-level manager in three years' time uh, because they, they generally know. But it actually goes a different way. You take your current org chart. Instead of working from the future state, you take your current org chart and you say, which of these people do we feel in the current chart embody our values and can be accountable and responsible to be future leaders. And then you start with the people. You identify those people that really embody these values and you help them be more who they are. And you help them go after their future vision of the company. 
because they will have a future vision too. There's no one vision for the company, but chances are these people will be able to grow to assume their own vision for the company a lot easier than assuming somebody else's vision for the future of the company. Then we develop, once we've identified these people who really embody uh, the values of the company, we really focus on developing their skills and uh, um, bringing out their full potential. This is really, really important because it shows uh, to others around that people with certain values uh, and, and certain integrity uh, are invested in, and we can all be invested in at the same time. But people who are working hard and who are uh, showing the values that are relevant to the company are the ones that are chosen um, for development. Um, and then the company will shape itself around these people rather than the other way around. Finally, we need to actually create a vacuum. So you can't have any sort of future mapping unless there is space that exists in the, in the present state. So people who are in these higher levels now, they have tasks that they can delegate. And this is really, really hard because a lot of times authority is demonstrated when you do certain things like open a town hall or give the company quarterly uh, numbers uh, in, a, in a webcast or be part of a certain board meeting. These are kind of status uh, tasks and status roles that do not necessarily have to be embodied by the top management. There is room at the table for some of these new thinkers. And by bringing these people in, they have, they get that confidence that they get that experience. They see how the sausage is made uh, behind the scenes a little bit, and they can adapt and shape their ways of thinking um, now that they have this kind of knowledge. So make room, make room. Don't keep all of these ceremonial tasks among the top, top, top leadership, but delegate whenever possible to spread that knowledge around. And that's it. So it's not rocket science. It's also not a methodology or it's, it's not, you know, a, a path forward. It's just a way of thinking. It's a way of thinking that is the opposite of succession planning, which is take the people with potential, mold them, change them, shape them so that they fit into the slots that are available now and potentially in the future, but actually turn that thinking on its head, which means take the people that embody the future of the company, invest in them and have them create the new org chart in the future and all the flexibility that that will need. Thank you for being a part of this episode. Subscribe, follow, so you never have to miss another one. These ideas are based on the Comic Books for Executive series. Go to postcovidhandbook.com.